Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Next Moment Up podcast. Um, so as you can tell, another week um, where my voice is shot. <laughs> um, that's because I attended the Giants game on Sunday and the Rangers game on Monday. Yes, it is Thursday that we are recording, but I talk too much, so my voice does not improve. Yeah, it's not great. But hockey is officially back. Um, I went back to the garden on Monday. It is so good to be back at the garden. Um, I was super hyped to be there. So funny story, actually. Um, if you guys don't know, um, there's a chant that we do at Ranger Games where we yell, Pop Van sucks. Now, oh. Pop Van was a player on the Islanders back in the 70s. And the Islanders were really, really good then. And the Rangers really hated them. And all the Ranger fans really hated them. So, like, I was raised to really hate the Islanders. Right. So, there was a very, very controversial play where Pop Van hurt one of our players, like, very, very badly. And it was super dirty. Um, and this chant, like, originated. And the Ranger fans yelled, Pop Van sucks. And it kind of this, like, organic thing. <laughs> However, my dad claims that he started the chant. Claims? He claims that he was the originator of the no, Pop Man Sucks chant. Now, I can't, I can't say anything. I can't dispute that. I wasn't there. Where are the facts? Where does he have any proof? Not really, but he likes, he claims it, and I can't say anything. He was there. Right. He started yelling it. <laughs> Shit happened, you know? Yeah. Like, so, That's so funny. I... For Father's Day this year, I got us matching Pop Van Sock shirts. That Wait, no, you did not. I did. That's so funny. So I wore it to the game on Monday. Yeah. And um, I went with my cousin, and there were these two guys going behind, sitting behind us, and one said to me, I really like your shirt. And I said, well, legend has it. Oh. My father started this chant. <laughs> Mr. Hellfand is a, is a legend. So I told the guy, I said, you're talking to New York Ranger hockey fan royalty. Yeah, literally. Even but, uh, though you haven't been bringing him to events, you've been slacking. I know. Well, it's not my fault. He's busy. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, doesn't want to go with me. But it's <laughs> true. But yeah, no, it was really fun. Um, and it's been like a lot of exciting things going on. Um, the MLB playoffs are really, really heating up. Um, it's four teams remaining: Phillies, Padres, and Astros, Yankees been exciting yeah it's been it's one of those times of the year where it gets a little bit chaotic because you're dealing with the start of two other sports and mlb plus at the same time and it's like and nfl like in the midst of it and you're like i just can't keep track of it all there's like not enough tv screens in the world yeah like i'm not (laughs) kidding i was like trying to watch like the yankees and the blaze at the same time it was just very stressful you know it's exciting but you're also like i'm gonna miss something this is why like we all need like multiple tv screens no i know it's crazy it's like i would like a sports bar in my apartment like if i could just bring that in and then you could send them away right like here's my question so i feel like your work environment is unique in the sense that obviously nbc is an entertainment affiliate are they playing some of the the games that take place like you know like a three o'clock yankees game are they gonna play that they're not because they're it's we're not gonna broadcast we're not gonna run our competitors yeah so you really so (laughs) in our like on our floors we have like we're constantly running like bravo msnbc right usa like we're running all the networks that we own so you're not are you watching nfl sometimes well 
thankfully I'm not in the office at those times. I, they probably are, though. <laughs> the late night, the late nighters. Yeah, probably, probably. So I would say, but the reason we don't air on other, the other games is because then we'd be airing other networks. All right. It was like mm-hmm. when I was at the NBA, like it was always NBA TV was on at all time. Like mm-hmm. you couldn't have any other channel. On. Right. Exactly. So um, if you're going to be watching a game, you will be sneaking it from your desk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. There were days like that when the Mets were playing and I put an SNY, which is SNY is a regional network, so it's acceptable, I feel like. It's acceptable. Right. It's acceptable. Um, so what was your first of all, have you recovered from your your Mets sadness? Like can we talk about the playoffs or are you We can talk about it. Okay. I'm still like extremely disappointed and like I will dwell on it a bit, but um <laughs> I'm like thinking about now the you know off season move for the Mets. So there's a ton of free agents on this current roster that are like a lot of question marks (laughs) wait carly before we get into some of our our mets players chatter i just want to say that this is such a pivotal time for philly sports like the eagles and the phillies are really excelling and it's oh i hate it like i'm not even talk about it i can't even like (laughs) do you realize how lucky and like they're just really thriving right now i'm I'm like stewing like as we're talking (laughs) about it like i like feel my jaw like clenching up honestly though i have like one of my best, best yeah. friends, she is yeah. a huge Phillies fan, and they yeah. have tickets this weekend. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I – as much as I don't want to see them win, like, I, I love her so much, and I'm, like, so happy that she's <laughs> getting to go to a Phillies playoff yeah. game. Like, I know, like, that means everything to her. Yeah. So I'm, like, trying to be a really good friend and be like, I support you going to the game. I'm not going to say anything about the outcome, though. Wow. <laughs> that, but can you imagine if the Yankees win at all? Like, ugh. It would just be such a wild vibe in New York City. Oh, my God. Do you want to laugh, though? My dad yes. – so we're Mets fans, right? My dad wants the Yankees to lose because he just wants them to shut up about it on the fan. He said on Monday <laughs> – oh he, he said Monday, like, the Jets and Giants both had, like, great games. Like, it was the best yes. day in New York football for a long, long time. Right. And he said all they talked about was the Yankees. It's because it's play, – yeah. Play and he was season. so pissed off. He's yeah. like, I just want them done so they talk about football again. Oh, my God. That's so funny. <laughs> and, like, it's hard to – you know, like, because there are so many sports on weird times, because I asked my mom yesterday, like, Mom, do you want to watch the Blazers game with me? And she goes, no, I'm not ready for that. She goes, we're still – ready. Like, she's like, it's NFL season. I'm focused on that. And I'm not like, ready. Yeah, she's like, I'm not ready. And she's like, we're winding down with baseball. I'm like, okay, sorry. She's like, you're too premature for me. Wow. So it's just a lot, but – Let's let's get into some of our, our fun player player situations. Yeah. Um, so a big, big question facing the Mets is do they keep ace Jacob DeGrom mm-hmm. or closer Edwin Diaz? So obviously they're very, very different positions in terms of pitchers. So uh, a starter it plays the majority of the game. Those that's your ace. Um, and then a closer comes in and you know wins the game for you. Um I don't think the Mets can keep both. No. It's a really difficult situation. Um, we do have Scherzer still, and he's, like, a, a great starter as well. Well, they well, threw so much money at him. They literally threw so much money at him for him to fail in the playoffs, but I'm not going to get there. <laughs> um, we're not going to discuss that right now. I feel like okay. that was a one-off. He's still super valuable. Yeah. Um, and the thing about, it, like, Edwin Diaz, like, he played so incredibly this year, and – Close, good closers are hard to come by. Mm-hmm. They really mm-hmm. are. And you can get to the end of a game and if someone blows it for you, like that is so hard to watch, so frustrating. 
And it's taken a while for the Mets to find, like, a really good closer. Like, we had Familia, who kind of, like, failed us in the World Series in 2016. And then we brought him back again. And I was, like, kind of pissed off that we did that. And now, like, Edwin Diaz is here. And, like, also, like, we, like, rally behind him at the same time. Like, you want to lose DeGrom. It's a very, very tough situation. I would, like, lean toward Diaz. But then, like, at the same time, like, losing DeGrom is just so difficult. I think about... But the unique prospect of his replacement, because he is choosing to opt out, obviously, is, Mm -hmm. like, what if they're able to get Verlander, right? Like, that's a possibility. And then he could reunite with Scherzer from their Detroit days. True, true. It's it's not – I mean, honestly, it's not a bad bad call. Like, I think there is a more of – there's more options to replace DeGrom than Diaz. That's my – that's – I agree. And it would suck – really truly suck to lose to Grom mm-hmm. but I think you have more options there 100 yeah. percent. yeah okay now we come to the next question okay <laughs> so there's a lot of like mm-hmm. you know whispers that like the Mets could like drop a ton of money on judge depending on what uncle Steve Cohen wants to do um I wish Steve Cohen could drop a ton of money on me like, <laughs> just... I'll throw a baseball for you Steve um <laughs> So here's the question, because I don't think you can have both. Would you rather have DeGrom or Aaron Judge? That's a very okay, go ahead. I no, I want to hear your thoughts. No, it's just like, a very tough question. question. It's yeah, very... it's a really hard oh. question. A lot of people have been debating this because it could be a real possibility. And here's the thing that you're comparing uh, like such different I was just going to say, it's not the same. Yeah. And roles and value. Like, it's so different. And, like, one guy touches the, like, interact, like, plays a game, like, every four days. That's in DeGrom. And Judge will have a chance to make a play, like, every game. Right. So, where's the value there? But then also, like, Judge is at bat, doesn't, like, but then if, you know, Judge doesn't, you know, go at bat every time. You know, he he goes through the lineup. (laughs) Right. Meanwhile, DeGrom touches a baseball, you know, a ton of times during a start. Absolutely. So it's really difficult. And and obviously you have to think about, okay, what are, like, the Mets missing pieces? Right. And if you think that it's okay to lose DeGrom, but, like, this missing piece is judged, then I think it's worth it to go with judge. I also think, like, judge – is in his prime right now. This is when you want to land him. Yeah. DeGrom did, like, the, the Mets did very well when DeGrom was hurt this year. Like, they won a lot of games without him. And, like, he didn't perform super, like, super well toward the end of the season. You know, he didn't do well against that crucial series against the Braves um, when we lost, truly lost the, the division. Um, I, Judge would make an impact now. He really would. Yeah, if you're going to look at it like that, then yeah. Yeah. But it's a very tricky – it's very tricky. I mean, I don't want to lose to Grom, but but the <laughs> idea of, of putting Judge in a Mets uniform is, like, you know, fantastic to me, obviously. Yeah, that would be – that. I mean, I would be sad, but that would be great for you. Yeah, well, you could just, like, get become, like, a Mets fan. I could, I could just, like, transition. while he's at bat, only when he's at bat, though. That's yeah, how I 100%. feel about the Yankees. I'm only a Yankees fan when, when Judge, Judge is at bat. That's hilarious. <laughs> Yeah. Now, let's pivot. Do you think Judge is a shoe-in for MVP with the season he had? Yeah, but I have, like, some subsequent thoughts about... Because I know a lot of people were debating with him and him, excuse me, and Otani. And yeah. 
here's my thing about why people are going to automatically go judge, right? Because obviously he bolstered this winning team where like, you know, Otani, it's like another disappointing Angel season. As it's usual. Like a, as usual. <laughs> so like, which sucks, but I do feel like because of this hype around judge, like you kind of forget like how special Otani is. Like what he's doing like for the second consecutive time isn't easy. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's easy to forget that when people are just talking about like the Yankees player. Like it's it's tough. It's like how I, I feel about Dame, you. you know? Yeah, completely. I think it's easy to look at a guy on a good team mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and 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 show like oh oh his he's really truly making an impact because they're winning mm-hmm. and also like the record breaking and the excitement and all that. Yeah, um, but Otani is one of the most unique talents that's to ever saying. ever play in this he's league. He's such a rarity. That's what I'm saying. Like overall, he's just such a freaking right. Rarity. But the question is, I guess. It's we go back and we do this a lot when we talk about MVPs. What does MVP truly mean? You know, is it yeah. the is it the most talented player? Is it the most unique player? Is it yeah. is it truly the player that makes the biggest difference on your team? And if that's the case, if you're not a winning team, are you truly making that big of a difference? Yeah. And then that leads me to my next question, which we talk like you were just referring to. You know, the Angels struggling and having such a valuable talent. They also have one of the best to ever play, Mike Trout. Right. And they're they they are a very bad team. So my next <laughs> question: Would you rather be the best player on a bad team, yeah. or the worst player on a good team? Mm-hmm. It's a tricky one. It's hard for me personally because obviously, like me and you, I feel like. The one thing, one of the th- one of the things I mean, you have in common is just like being prideful, and especially, yeah, me. You're the kind of people who like, let's say, me and you aren't skilled at something. We certainly aren't going to be the damn worst because we'll try so hard to get better. It's like, effort, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like it's effort. So like, I can't like to be the worst. That's harsh. Like I don't know how to be able to take that. I don't yeah, know. I mean, I guess the question is, would you rather be like an absolute star and your team always lose, or just be like, you know, so, like, a, back- a backup? Yeah, or just be, a, you know, a backup, but, you know, get a championship ring. No, I'd rather be – okay, so I'd rather be the Dame Lillard in this situation than, like, mm-hmm. a bench player on the Warriors. Would it very much frustrate you that you would never get your championship, possibly? Of course it would frustrate. Of course it would frustrate me. But, like, if I'm – if you're going to give me a ring, but, like, I've played two seconds, it's, like – and don't give me the whole thing about, like, just me being in practice, help my team. Like, I understand all that. Like, I'm not even entertaining that right now. Right. But you you want to like be impactful on the field, making a difference. Yes. Or yeah. on the court, making a difference. Yeah. Now, also when you how think do you about feel it, though? I think that it would depend on the sport. Okay. That's because fair. I feel like depending, like in basketball, if there's a mm-hmm. very unless you're like one of the stars out there, you don't make an impact. But like <laughs> in terms of football, it's a bigger team, like. Anything can make a difference. Like one play can change. A special teams play can make the difference between a champion and a loser. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it depends on the sport. Also, it depends on the sport in terms of your contract. In baseball, you're a star, millions and millions of millions of dollars. Doesn't matter what team you play for. All right. Right. So I think it's very sport specific. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Now, to pivot, um, you brought up Dean. The NBA season <laughs> has begun. Yes, happy NBA season. How are we feeling, Sarah? 
So I stayed up really late last night. So we're recording on a th- um, on a Thursday for reference. I stayed up last night late to watch NBA, like the Trailblazers opening game. And what I saw was exciting because it was a win. It was against the Kings, so no need to get too excited. So, but, sit, so sit down, everyone. So sit down. Everyone. No, but the Kings <laughs> are a good team. They are a good team. Yeah. Um, but I, but what I did see was amazing plays from, from Josh Hart, flashes of brilliance from, from some of the guys. Like, I mean, Ant, obviously Jeremy Grant played amazing. Who I have a problem with is Nurk right now. And the fact that he played that awful and we're just dumping all that money into him. Like, I love Nurk. I'm always going to be a supporter of Nurk, but he's just so inconsistent and that's really upsetting. And at the same time, Dame, unfortunately, wasn't himself. If someone were to just get a notification, let's say you didn't watch the game and you just saw, like, okay, Dame had 20 points. It sounds decent, right? But he wasn't himself. He was one freight from the three. He couldn't hit anything. And it's like, to watch guys guard him from the logo, yes, that literally gives you an adrenaline rush, but then he's not actually delivering. He's not converting. Like, there's no, he's not, he doesn't have the same range. He's not hitting the same shots. Like, it's really hard to watch. And what do you think that, like, improvements that need to be made? I just feel like overall Dame needs to get his groove back. But as a team, like, ball movement was great. Nurk needs to be more consistent. Um, We saw some good things from Sharp in his debut. But, you know, you can't base everything on night one. Like, if we base everything on night one, the Nets were blown out by the Pelicans. 108 to 130 wasn't wasn't a good loss, you know? So a lot of... A lot of the teams that we thought would show up, the, the Nuggets lost dramatically to the Jazz. You know, you have a Jokic, like Jokic is obviously like a reigning MVP, and he was totally dominated by Colin Sexton. So you can't base everything on night one. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I think it's easy. Like, you know, people, it's a constant overreactions. Exactly. Like, it's, it, people love to be dramatic. Like, I saw someone on Twitter talk about the Knicks because the Knicks lost, the, but it, they came back on it overtime. But someone was like, oh, it's the same narrative. And it's like, no, if you watch the game, the Knicks rallied hard and had a lot of grit. And it wasn't the same as a lot. People just love to, like, feed into, like, this dramatic, like, sad narrative. Yeah. And I think, like, the media, like, obviously plays a role in that as well. 100%. But yeah. overall, like, excited about Blazer season. I can't wait to get into some of the matchups next week. But I, I, in the words of my mom, it, it's football season. <laughs> She's still thinking about football season. That's her focus <laughs> so right funny. now. Yeah. yeah. Um, so shall we talk about week seven? Matchups? Yes. Yes. Cool. Um, so I have like a few things that I think are going to be like huge highlights this week and like headlines that I wanted to point out. Mm-hmm. So the Bucks struggled hard last week. Against, you mean Tom's explosion? Oh, we'll get there against the Steelers. Um, and there was a viral clip of Tom screaming at his O-line like a disappointed dad. <laughs> he was bad. Also, there was like spit flying. I was like, these poor O-linemen getting spit on. <laughs> Have you, when you were um, around the Bucks, did you ever yeah. witness any any breakdowns by Tom personally? Um, He was pretty calm in practice, actually. Okay. I think it was, it's games that, and, you know, luckily because I didn't want to, I wouldn't want to be on the sideline freaking throwing, (laughs) throwing of the tablet. Who knows who could get hit with that? Yeah. Um, Luckily I would be up in a box. Yeah, seriously. And avoid the spit spray and any, you know, flying metal pieces from a tablet. Seriously. Um, I really think that, that they're struggling to, you know, be cohesive as a team. I don't know what's necessarily going on. The O-line needs some work it does 
they're getting some people back from injury, but it is like a reworked O line with some people who doesn't have don't have a ton of experience. They really need mm-hmm. to like find their unity. Yeah. And then defensively, there's no excuse. This defense should be playing to its potential. They should be locked down. They have all the pieces. It shouldn't be an excuse. I think it's a mental thing. I think it's a focus thing. I am looking for them to bounce back against the Panthers. It should be a very winnable game for them. They should get their confidence back. So look for that. I think this is the game where we like where they need to get their confidence back. And I think if they lose this game, it's going it's gonna to be, be really a very, bad. very bad situation in Tampa. It's going to like really set the tone, yeah. It's awful. Yes. So I think this is like a turning point to see if they can bounce back. And this is the team to do it against. I mean, the Panthers, it's extremely winnable. I mean, the Panthers are so lost. Extremely. Extremely well, lost. Oh in every, in every, <laughs> every element. I mean, it's, it's a disaster organization. They just fired their head coach. They got, yeah. you know, they're, they're telling re- receivers to get off the field and sending them somewhere else the next day. That's so bad. I oh mean, I, if, for context, uh, Robbie Anderson, who is theoretically number one receiver there, um, was told by a coach to get off the field after an altercation. And then the oh next gosh. day was traded to the Cardinals. Oh my God. You know, who's not bad. Saquon. The Giants. <laughs> I thought you were going to. Yes. The Giants are not bad. Okay. So here's my thing. People keep saying to me, Oh God, we're so good. We're so good. I'm like, hold on. <laughs> like, hold on. Like, let's just settle down and like, actually look at this analytically. It's like really a problem. Cause I can't just be happy that we're like five and one. I have to Carly. be like, we're Compared to last one, season, it's it's a parade already. I'm like, we're five and one, but yeah. so because I can't just be happy as a fan. It just doesn't work. Yeah. Um, I need to like look at it in like an analytical point of view. But I do think we're tough, we're scrappy, we have something to play for. We have heart and soul, which is huge. We haven't had that in years. <laughs> yeah. We were just been like dead bodies, like walking around. Like, I mean, we had nothing. We had nothing inside of us. Now no. we yeah. have heart. We have soul. We have something to play for. We have confidence. We're having a good time. It's awesome to see. However, I will say our personnel is not that strong. If you compare us to other teams, our personnel is not that strong. And I'm not saying personnel is everything because it does take effort, heart, and soul. It takes a lot of that to win. However, I don't know how long this can carry us because when you do look at like the fundamentals, especially offensively, there are a lot of issues. Now, ha- have your opinions about Daniel, Daniel, our buddy, changed Daniel. at all? No. So we're still anti-Daniel. I'm not. I'm not mad about what we're getting right now. Uh huh. But I don't think that he has solidified any case of being our future. Yeah, I think that's fair. Like, I'm okay with this for now. (laughs) I would not look to pay him, you know, that huge, whatever it might be at this point, you know, five-year X amount of million dollar extension. He does not deserve that. I don't think that he is our long-term solution, but I'm not mad about how he's playing right now. But I don't think he's played well enough to you know really solidify his place as our future and here's the thing right it's like next game is going to be rough like not only are the giants underdogs here but the jaguars won like the last meet like it's been crazy in their most recent game the jaguars had like i don't remember this their biggest comeback in team history with 21 points it it was it was crazy i was in 2014 
Yeah, so I will say that the Giants have a fairly easy schedule coming up, which is, like, nice. And a lot of people are saying that, like, we couldn't go through the next few weeks and end up, you know, being 9-1. and one. Um, I'm not going to overlook the Jaguars. Like, no. they are a really young team. Like, and they have home, a new coaching amazing. staff. Like, I won't overlook them. I do think it's extremely winnable, especially the way we've been showing up. And then I, I have my keys to the game. We must, must, must get to Trevor Lawrence. We need to use our strong defensive front with Leonard Williams, Kayvon Thibodeau, and, you know, how, and, you know, bring in some blitzing as Wink Martindale likes to do and really get to him, bring Dexter Lawrence into the mix. Young quarterbacks fold under pressure, just what they do. There's, that's, that's what happens. Get to him. That's all I'm going to say. Let's get to Trevor Lawrence. Let's get to Trevor Lawrence. Let's get him on the ground a couple of times. Let's get him, you know, let him let him know that we're there, and, yeah. and he'll 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 start really paying attention. I think it's important to start off early and set the tone. The second thing I would like to say is we need to continue to create a pocket for Daniel Jones. I like seeing that he has more time. I like seeing that we don't have to just run bootlegs or play action or fakes. Like we don't, we can just like have him drop back in the pocket and chill for a second. yeah like I like that so we need to continue to that especially with the pass rush of Josh Allen on the other side he he's really talented for them and then they also have some strong linebackers as well who can be in the mix and you know step up in the pass rush and things like that so those are two things and then the Third thing I would say is we need to look out for their playmakers and James Robinson and Christian Kirk. So Christian Kirk has been the go-to guy at receiver, and James Robinson is has been very good for them in the run game. They also have Travis Etienne in the run game, so they can do like a little one-two punch, and we need to keep those guys under control. Um, I think like our corners are holding up okay or we don't have a ton of depth in the secondary so we really need to keep an eye on their weapons yeah and i think like something to keep in mind right is like you can't let like their two and four record fool you they had not at all when you really analyze it it was two blowout wins and four one score losses and that's why i'm saying we cannot overlook them no because they're not they're in their second year like of the latest rebuild but yeah they they have it and then they have the talent i really like doug peterson i like doug peterson as well he's always been a very gutsy gutsy coach do i agree with all of his decisions no but do i really respect him and sometimes like his lack of being conservative can win games. Yeah. Well, you know what I just what I just remembered? Mm. I've been I haven't seen Engram in a while. Oh my god, true. Yeah, I forgot he was there. Oh guys, remember when everyone was like, he is gonna save the New York Giants. Oh my god. That and didn't happen. And he's been it was like due to hit you in the hands. Why did you been, drop that? Yeah. <laughs> he's been like pretty average for them. It's not like he's been yeah. really exceptional. Um, I feel like that's what he just become average. That's what it's not like he's gonna be like a long term fix for them. It's just like a whatever year, but it's just gonna be, it's just funny. Yeah, I think he's like he's decent, middle of the pack, tight end. Yeah, like he's super yeah. athletic, can't block that well. He can do some things, he can't do other things. He's not but the end all be all, you know. If the Giants win this though, like it'll be crazy. Like then I'll really start to get hype. I still and I'll be sitting here like I'm still not convinced. <laughs> It's, yeah, I know. Oh, but you can hype me up. That would help. Wait, so what are your, okay, so 
in all seriousness, because yeah. I think now we're at a point where we can actually discuss this. Yeah. What are your hopes for the postseason, or, or at least realistically, how far do you think the Giants could go? So here's the thing. I don't really – I'm not looking at playoffs right now. I think the Eagles are going to win the division. I think that's clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then the question is a wild card spot. The Cowboys are definitely not out of it. Yep. So they're going to be probably our biggest worry because if the Eagles win the division, then if we're really thinking about the playoffs, which – I'm still like questionable about we need to slide into a wild card spot and we have to worry about the Cowboys in our own division. And then we have to worry about, you know, the other teams across the NFC that could also theoretically play for a wild card spot. So, and there are, you know, a lot of, a lot of teams that are kind of like similar to our level. Um, yeah. In, in terms of that. So I, do we look like a playoff team? I don't think so. Like when you break it down, I really don't mm-hmm. think so. Am I impressed by us? Absolutely. Do we have a lot of other teams to worry about? If we if we know for a fact that we have to get in the wild card, yes, because we're not winning the division the way the Eagles are playing. We're just not. Definitely not. And like you, ha- when you look at the Giants' schedule, right? You kind of have like I don't want to use the word easy, but let let's say relatively easy games coming up against the Lions. Yes, and Texas. this this front half of the schedule is more difficult than what it's going to be yes. the next few weeks. One hundred percent. Yeah. And then I think like truly our biggest test if the next few weeks go well our biggest test is december 11th when we play the eagles yeah like i want to go to that game that's gonna be a good one we sold our tickets because you know <laughs> it's gonna we'll, play so you're we'll not get going thrown to out no we'll get thrown out so you just think you'll be too too aggressive you know we can't you know my dad and i can't go to those games like we oh my will God. seriously get thrown out we just get too into it like we're too angry oh <laughs> and i know i know there's a very good chance we'll lose are you serious? But Look I want to have you watch. No, the not about them losing. About like I just I'm trying to picture you getting like too angry at this game. It's so funny. We'll hear my voice now. That's just from yeah. Your voice is already like the Ravens. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> well, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, a couple more headlines to wrap up the week. Tua is returning. The question is, will this give Miami the piece it needs to get back on track? They obviously struggled without him, and the question is. Are they legit with him? We will see. TBD. Yes, TBD. And then wrap up the week. Dak is returning from his injury. Dallas is at home versus the Lions. This is a big, big prove-it game for Dak because Cooper Rush came in here and did a really good job. I was just going to say, like, like I know a lot of Cowboy fans that are very happy with him. Yeah. So this is huge for Dak. Huge, huge private game. Huge. I should be your starter. You should still be paying the money that you're paying me. And we will see in the Lions. The Lions aren't aren't a horrible team, but obviously winnable for the Cowboys. And and Dak needs, like I said, to prove himself. And we'll see. You know, we'll see how he is after this injury as well. I know. You always worry about that. Like, will people be the same? Yeah. And he, he has been beat up the past few years. I know. That's so true. Like, truly beat up. Yeah. So that's week seven NFL headlines. Super excited for another week of football. Um, we're going to get into our title topic for today. So we kind of like like talked about it a little bit um, in a past episode recently about American leagues playing international games. Um, the Giants played in London a couple weeks ago. The NFL has been doing London games for a while. They're also doing games in germany they've done games in mexico city the nba has a big presence internationally Mm -hmm. so we just kind of wanted to dive into it sarah what are your thoughts on this so 
I mean, I've always really loved this aspect of it. And this year, the NBA had 120 international players. And wow. I feel like some people might think like, oh, is it all going to be from the, from the same place? No, from 40 different countries. That's so insane. it's like really widespread. And like something I've always thought um, that was pretty cool was like the games they have. So they just had games in Abu Dhabi and Japan. And sick. I was actually talking to a friend about it. And he said like he was there and he said the crowds were like so wild. And in terms of, like, just the overall impact and presence, we have friends at Honeymoon in Greece, and they were, like, Giannis jerseys everywhere. Like, just decorated. Yeah, because think about – these people are, like – It's true. They're so proud of, like, like, people. Think about how New York celebrates Aaron Judge, but times up by 5,000. Right. Like, Like they have so much pride in these these people representing their country. Yeah. And, like, we said this when you were discussing, like, the preseason games that were being played internationally, that, like – basketball is like an extremely transferable game yeah exactly like it's not and the good thing about it is that like a sport like hockey that's that's very financially like tough on people yes the the ice time isn't who like i'm sorry who can afford ice time like it's ice time pads like it's very expensive it's crazy so that's the good thing about basketball and something i've always loved about it yeah so i will say i have like a little bit different view on like what the nfl is doing Mm -hmm. I, i don't i'm not like I don't dislike the international games here and there, but, you know, there there has been talk about a while of, like, moving a team there permanently, even moving a right. division there. Right. Um, my first thought is I don't really think players would want to go and live overseas somewhere. I think that's, like, a big ask for a lot of players. Second, it's a real pain to do these international travel trips. I know when I worked for the Bucks, they had a game away game in London. I didn't travel with the team. We were always home base, but like, yeah, I remember like weeks leading up to it. Like we interacted with the football operations a lot and it was like extremely stressful to like do site visits and figure mm-hmm. out where, like how to get there and the passports and customs and all these things. It's so much more complicated than like staying um, domestically. Right. So, I think that would be, like, a whole, like, logistical nightmare. And I feel like a lot of teams, like, would not be happy about the travel. Right. If they had to do it, you know, year after year after year. Um, And then also, like, the team who would be based in London would have to travel here often. So I think it's just very complicated. I also have a hard time believing that we could really – like, the NFL could really create, like, a true fan base of people not in this country – um, because I think like a game once in a while, it's like, oh, it's like novelty. Like I'll spend my money. I'll take my family there. But like, I wouldn't buy season tickets if like, I'm not like really, really obsessed with the team or obsessed with football. Like they're obsessed with soccer and that's yeah. where their hard earned money is going. So you, to convert all these diehard soccer fans into football yeah. fans is going that's to be tough. very, very difficult. You'd have to start like the youth level. And even then. Yeah. Like that would be difficult. So I think it's like, it's like nice to say, and like obviously the NFL wants to expand and continue to make money, but I think it would be very hard to get a permanent fan base and like a loyal fan base that would actually spend their money on these games. Yeah. And then, like, yes, there are TV rights and that makes up most of the money, but you know, it's cool to wake up and have football on at nine in the morning, but how is that sustainable? Are people actually going to continue to wake up at eight 30 in the morning to watch football? <laughs> when you say it like that right I don't know and then yeah you know actually uh a little while back I was talking there used to be something called NFL Europe and this was like I don't know 
maybe 15 years ago at this point. And I, I had a conversation with the person who used to head NFL Europe. And I was talking to him about how like they're trying to reboot it. And he said, I just don't, I just don't see it working. Like it's just to convert all these people is really difficult. But what I will say that I appreciate that the NFL is doing is they're doing international combines. So they're trying to get talent and scout in other parts of the world, which I think is very cool. Yeah, I'm going to I have a comment about that after with the NBA. Yeah, I think that's really cool. And also like a side note about that, like former giant OCU Minora, like he he does kind of that himself where he like goes to Africa and like tries to like find kids and like give them a chance to connect them with the right people. That's amazing. Um, like the, I think the Giants had someone in, in training camp that was like through that program, which is very cool. Um, and then there, there's also something called International Player Pathways where like a team, like every few years will get just an international player on their roster. It doesn't count toward their 53. Yeah. And like they just have to make the team. So like the Giants had someone has a, have a running back. I think he's on the practice squad still, called Sandro Plotzgummer. Mm. And, like, he's actually, like, played a little bit in the preseason. And he's from the International Player Pathway. So it's, like, pretty cool. Like, I like that part of it. But I yeah. just don't think it's realistic to, like, move a team or and especially move a division out there. I agree with you. And, like, when you talk about the steps it takes to get there, like, the NBA mm. for them, it's it's basketball without borders where they go to mm. different countries and they hold these camps, like, elite players in those areas. Yeah. and. Something about these initiatives is you really want to ask yourself, like, is it working? Is it converting? Yeah. And it's like the answer is yes, because look at like some yes. of the stars, like Joel Embiid, and and you it's have like, especially it's especially showing that it pays off in the NBA. It's, it's paying off, like yeah. Like, because I just feel like if you just put a bunch of initiatives, you're like, we really want to help expand and like find talent, but like you're not finding it. It's like, yeah. what, are you, what are you doing wrong? You know? Yeah, I think with football, it's a little bit more difficult than basketball because basketball, like you said, it's very accessible, like. Yeah. You can pick up the yeah. ball and start playing, and it's very and like people, it it is played internationally. Football isn't necessarily played in other parts of the world like it is here. Yeah. So, you know, you could find someone that's like very athletic, but like you would have to teach them a game, and you yeah. have to like teach them all these things. And it's also an expensive sport, you know, getting the pads and all those things. So it's not quite as accessible. So I yeah. don't think like the the transition is as easy as it is in the NBA. Yeah, I agree. So. Um, I, I'm curious, like, to see how, like, the leagues continue to, you know, make their presence internationally. Yeah, it's something that I've always enjoyed watching. And, like, if you really want to play amongst and against the best of the best, you'd have to, you know, go outside of just, like, what you know. Agreed. Like, just to think about, like, who could be out there. Like, the uncharted talent. Exactly. You know I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, really cool. Um, This has been a really great episode. I loved like how like all the the discussions we got into. I think it's super <laughs> cool. Like there's so much to be talked about right now. It's such an exciting time in sports. There's like a lot of uncertainty and I'm psyched to see how everything plays out. Me too. So we're gonna wrap up here, guys. You guys know where to find us, next one up pod at gmail.com, next one up podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. And we will see you guys next week. <laughs>